Hi, everyone. I am Valerie Malone, life coach, motivational speaker, and creator of Love Your Life program. You are listening to Real Talk. Today, I have a special guest, Valentina. She's transformational relationship coach for women, and she's a TED Talk speaker. Welcome to the show. Hello, Valerie. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you here today because uh, actually, believe it or not, you are the first relationship coach that in my Real Talk podcast. Wow, what an honor. Thank yeah. you for having me on your podcast. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to jump in and start with what motivated you to the most to become a coach and be a relationship coach? Well, it's, a, it's something that I never really thought that I would do in my life, but I was inspired to make this transition into relationship coaching from an advertising career, which obviously had nothing to do with self-development, because I was meeting a lot of beautiful, successful, amazing women who were excelling at everything in their life, but somehow... Most of them were complaining that love is so difficult to find. You can't meet men. Relationships suck. It's so difficult. And that didn't really match my view of the world. Although I was in a relationship at the time, so I wasn't really dating or anything. I could see opportunities for dating. I could see people getting together and having successful relationships all the time. So I was wondering, you know, what is going on here? Why are these amazing women not able to find what they wanted. So slowly I kind of learned more a little about uh, how our mindset works and how our mindset influences our ability to create a reality. And uh, I realized that maybe one of the reasons this was happening for them was their belief systems. And the idea that if you can, you will make it, ha if you believe you can make it happen. And if you believe that you can't, obviously, you will fulfill that prophecy and nothing will happen. So I started, um, <laughs> I actually became a relationship coach because I Googled it. Um, so um, I only found out about relationship coaching from putting these two words into a Google um, search. And I was very lucky to do that. But again, the motivation was to maybe facilitate this kind of transformation, this kind of shift from believing that you can't have the relationship of your dreams to believing that you can do whatever you want in your life. That is so important. You said it so nicely because there's two pointers that I wanted to point to our listeners. One of them is that you had the idea that you were looking around and seeing that people can't find love and you were like, huh, like, you know, why these beautiful people uh, so have so much talent, they can find a relationship. But that curiosity geared you toward actually looking to a being a relationship coach and whether you Googled it, whatever, but somehow you manifest that in your mind first, whether it was subconsciously mm -hmm. or subconsciously. And then the other important that thing that you said, which in today's society, a lot of people hear it but they don't hear it. Here's what it is. Like you said, the mindset, the mindset of believing that if you believe something, just know the what, don't worry about the how it will happen to you. This sounds good, but it's so hard to get ourselves out of that everyday life and say, oh yeah, right. Like I can, I can just, you know, believe that I'm going to find the, my soulmate love of my life and it will happen. And they give it up. Am I correct to say that? That's what they do, right? They think about it and then they really don't practice it. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I want it. But yeah, right. If it was easy, everybody would have it. And, and I know I've done that myself. So am I correct to say that? 
Well, yeah, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So even if on the surface, you know, people say, oh, you have to stay positive. You have to tell yourself that it's possible. But what I've learned in the last seven years that I've kind of deepened my understanding of how relationships work and what are these beliefs that essentially either enable us to achieve everything that we want or stop us from achieving what we want, depending on which side of the divide we're looking at. And then I got into hypnotherapy, so that helped me understand a little bit more about how these beliefs are created. Ultimately, the story here is, what is the point of view? What is the filter that we apply to this? So yes, if you have, um, like consciously, if you think I want a relationship, I believe that it's possible to have a relationship, but actually on a subconscious level where limiting beliefs are really uh, stored, they operate like background noise, if you know what I mean. So it doesn't matter that consciously we say, oh, I want a boyfriend, I'm ready for a relationship, I'm looking for the love of my life. Because unconsciously, at this very subliminal unconscious level, whatever we say consciously, oh, I want, I'm ready for a boyfriend. But deep down, there is this inner voice, our inner critic, which says, oh yeah, but you don't deserve it. Nobody's going to like you. You know, you're not going to find someone that loves you as you deserve. And it's not something that we are mindful of, that we're aware of. But it's, you know, like, imagine you're single and you're going to a bar and you see a guy and you could be like a supermodel. You could be a total, I've worked with a lot of extremely beautiful, very successful, amazing women. And they go to a bar and they see a guy, you know, let's say a good looking guy. And a lot of the times in the woman would say, okay, I'm going to go and talk to that guy. But then this little voice, the little girl's voice, the inner critic in her mind says, yeah, but you know, he's too hot for you. Don't go. It's going to be embarrassing. What if he says no? What if he embarrasses you in front of his friends or in front of your friends? Don't go. It's safer to stay here. Wait for him to come to you. Now, at the same time, the guy may be going through exactly the same unconscious process because he's looking at this gorgeous blonde, you know, kind of magazine cover type woman. And he's thinking, oh, my God, she's hot. She's looking my way. I wonder if I could go and talk to her. But then his own limiting belief, his own uh, inner critic will say, oh, yeah, but look at her. She's like amazingly good looking. She's never going to look at me. So. These two people, because they have this subconscious programming that you're not good enough, you're not, you don't deserve love, this person is too good for you, are actually missing out on the opportunity to go and say hello to each other, face that risk of rejection, and maybe have the most amazing relationship of their life. So if we can only shut up that little voice in our head that says, you're not good enough, this person is too hot for you, don't go there, don't, don't embarrass yourself which most of the time we're not even aware of, then, you know, life can be so different. And this is when you take control of your life because this voice may still be going in the, in the background in your mind, but you can go, you know what? Actually, that is not true. Because you know what? I was talking about this in a, in a session with a client in hypnotherapy today. This is a voice that we created as children to avoid embarrassment, to avoid pain. So it's actually a, a essentially an ego defense mechanism that keeps us safe or kept us safe when we were three years old or when we were five years old and we didn't feel safe in our environment. But it has, we've given this voice so much power that now we don't even notice that that's what's stopping us. So in order to change that, 
you need to basically shift from that mindset of the child that wants to be safe and protected and say, actually, no, you know what? I know my worth. I know I'm an amazing woman. I know I'm a 10 out of 10 in attractive, on the attractiveness scale. So you know what? What have I got to lose? I'm just going to go and say hi to that guy. It doesn't mean that he's going to marry me. He may not even want to buy me a drink, but I'm just going to say hi. You know, it's human connection. Right. Yes, it's taking a risk. And, and he might say, who the hell are you? What do you want? But, you know, most of the time he won't. Men are already so happy when a woman says hello to them and they love a confident woman that most, like it's extremely rare in my experience. It doesn't matter what the woman looks like that a guy will completely reject her. So yeah. this is the power that we're giving away to other people. And when, you know, to get back to your question, when people give up is because this fear is more powerful than them. And they think, you know what? Well, it's never going to happen for me. And when you have this belief, you keep looking for evidence that that belief is the truth. You keep saying, yeah, but I spoke to that guy at work and he didn't pay attention to me. Or I tried five years ago with a guy on the train. I tried to say hello to him and it didn't work. So obviously it's never going to work. But five years ago, one guy isn't the whole world. Right. Just because one time it didn't work, it doesn't mean it will never work. Women say, oh yeah, you know, all, for example, another limiting belief that I often deal with is, oh, you know, you can't trust men. They always cheat. Men always would look at other women. And I'm like, okay, how do you know that? Is this something you know or you believe? And they go, well, I know because, you know, I've had three boyfriends and each and every one of them has cheated on me. I'm like, yes, this is three men. You're making a generic, you're basically putting the whole world I don't know, three and a half, four and a half billion men. How many of them are there in the world right now? I don't know. Right. I don't even know how many people we have in the world, but you know, half Seven, of the population. Oh, so far, the, the, last, the last count was, I think we're going to eight billion. Okay, so four billion men. Right. You put Divided. them in the same bucket. Right. Roughly, right? It's, yeah, let's yeah. say that it's half and half. So right. you put four billion men in the same bucket with the three guys that cheated on you. <laughs> and you make that as this is the truth. There isn't such a thing as a truth. All our reality is actually caused by our belief systems and our belief systems are often wrong. Um, because they were created when we were five years old, three years old, seven years old, when we yeah. didn't have the capacity to really look at the reality with the eyes of an adult. And this is, this is what, I, what motivates me in my work, just to kind of come full circle to the beginning of the question. Making... Uh, making it possible for people to understand that the biggest barrier we have in front of our happiness, in front of having it all, loving the life that you live, finding the love of your life is nothing else but our own belief system, our own mind and our own fear. You know, when people say, I give up, I'm not going to look for love. What is it? It's fear of rejection, fear, fear of success, fear of failure. All of these fears, are essentially projections of a future that is not has not, not happened yet. Right, right. We think, oh well, it happened three times in the past, so it must happen again in the future. Yeah. For example, cheating. Right. But it's not true. The future has not yet been created. Right, right. See, this is why it's important for for listeners to understand. this. like you said, it's very important the mindset and the belief. It's not actual physical you that go out there and a lot of people confuse it and you answered the question before i even asked you which was really good because you said that we have we developed this habit from childhood a ecosystematic 
personality that we have that we think is protecting us, but sometimes it sabotages us. Now, and you also said that it comes from the past. Now, I wanted to, since I had experience on this, and I want to ask you this, and we can have a conversation about this. A lot of beliefs, my belief came in from having bad experience, you know, being with abusive husband, which made me think that one person, like you said, out of a four billion, that this this person physically and emotionally abused me. So I had this blockage that all men are bad. All men are bad and I don't want to open myself to it. And you know, I'm fine without it. I can take care of myself. I can take care of my kids. I don't need love in my life. So for the longest time I was living like that. But then I realized once I was, you know, got my uh, money situation together, my being a parent and all that, then you feel lonely. Then you're like, you have other desires that need to be fulfilled and you can only do it by being out there and, and getting connected to other people, whether it's a man or a woman, whatever you have that desire that is part of the, that you need to fulfill. Isn't that the important part they have to know? Because some people are just completely avoiding it and say, no, I'm good by myself. Well, it's interesting that you shared your personal story. So I'm going to share a little bit of my personal story just because this is real talk, right? Yes. So um, my whole life, I wanted to be this strong person, this completely independent person. Like, I don't need anyone. I'm better than any man. I don't need someone in my life. I don't need someone to pay for me. I don't need someone to, to do anything for me. I'm totally happy. And um, I was you know, reasonably successful. I was in a relationship for 19 years and it was fine and it was balanced and I had my independence and all that. But after my boyfriend passed away, I realized that actually one of the things that um, was missing in my life and I wasn't aware, you know, what I like to call the shadow. The shadow is the part of us that we don't like to acknowledge, that we reject, that we put to the side. One of my shadows was I don't like to look weak. I really don't like to look weak in front of people. And I realized that, I think I mentioned in our previous chat that my boyfriend yeah. passed away from cancer a couple of years ago. And even though, you know, it was a pretty painful experience, I realized that I'm going to have a really hard time crying when he would pass away. Wow. Because essentially him and my therapist were the only people in the world who had seen me cry as an adult. I mean, of course, my family saw me crying as a child. China. But... I've never cried in front of people because for me, crying was like a weakness and I don't like to look weak. And obviously, um, you know, I, I, it didn't mean that I needed to be like, um, you know, throwing myself on the floor and having the whole dramatic crying, blah, blah, blah. I lost my boyfriend, something like that. But even the idea that I would give a speech at his funeral like the only thing that was in my head is like, I cannot cry. I cannot cry. I cannot cry. I cannot cry. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I gave a Ted talk about embracing unconditional love, which was essentially the story of our relationship and uh -huh. how we loved. And then I lost him and all that stuff. And the reason I wanted to do this talk and the reason it was so important to me to get up there on stage in front of a thousand people. And I tell them and to tell them the story um, was actually to explore vulnerability, to push myself to, to be out there vulnerable in front of a thousand people and saying, yeah, it was hard. It was horrible. It, it felt really hard for me. And then I realized that actually my biggest weakness was that I didn't want to show weakness. So this whole experience really helped me um, acknowledge 
that sure, being strong is important. But as you said, being strong, what it means to me now, so the metaphor that I make is every time someone betrays your trust or every time something, someone hurts you, you almost like put a new wall in front of you in between you and people. And when I actually did all these hypnotic regressions and things to find out why I was so protected, why I was so, it was so important to me never to show weakness and all that, I literally saw myself in my mind as a little three-year-old girl scared hiding in a corner, surrounded by wall after wall after wall after wall, like a massive fortress, looking for protection, seeking protection. And then everything that you said, well, I don't need a man. I don't need someone to take care of me. I can take care of myself, was nothing but a consequence of me putting almost like armor after armor after armor. And yes, this is great. You are safe. You are protected. But that wall blocks energy both ways. Sure, other people cannot cannot hurt you, but you're also not able to share your love with them. Right. You know, energetically speaking, love is an energy, right? Connection is energy between us. And if there's a wall between you and the other person, what happens? You have no connection. You right. can't fall in love. The other person feels like, oh, she's so guarded. She's like so protected. And actually somebody that I was dating a couple of years ago, I can't remember how we were having this conversation. And he said, yeah, oh my God, you are so guarded. It's insane how like nothing gets through to you. Of course, a lot of things get through to me, but I don't show it. Right, right. And, and this was the powerful thing. This is the powerful thing that I only understood like in the last year that actually, um, you know, being in balance with yourself means accepting your strength and supporting yourself in your strength, taking control of your life, being independent, doing all the things that, you know, you and I know how to do very well because we have a lifetime of practice, but also understanding that sometimes if we're too guarded, our relationships will suffer. We will not be able to have true human connection because we will literally be like a little person hiding in a fortress surrounded by wall after wall after wall and nobody can come and get us. You know how we always wait for Prince Charming to get the princess in the tower. Right. The princess kind of needs to open the door a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. you, you said it so great because I, and, and I was so excited for you to come in this uh, and I, and do this with me because number one, I have two daughters and, and since you shared your story for me, this the dynamic of, okay, love is energy and and whenever we connect with anybody whether it's a friend Kali um, or, or romantic love our energy gets more and more and we feel it so different type of love but for me it was important to talk to you as because I have two daughters so here's here's the problem with this, this especially today's generation every time my I realize my relationship reflected my daughter's life so here's why I, this woman like oh I got everything in control Believe it or not, I'm glad you said that. My oldest daughter thought crying is a sign of a weakness. So every time she cried, she apologized for it. Oh, I'm sorry that I'm crying. I'm like, why are you saying you're sorry you're crying? That's number one. Number two, in their head, it's like, okay, well, mommy raised us. She has her money. She has her house. She has everything put together. She doesn't need a man. I don't need a man. So for a longest time, they weren't even entertaining going out, like you said, shutting themselves, like not doing. And I realized, oh shit, I created that. I, I'm the 
role model for them that they see me, they think, oh, mommy's so uh, strong without the man so I can have it. So I have to actually sit down and have a conversation with them. And I said that, you know what? Love, romantic love is, is almost like a miracle. You're in this world to experience it. So if you can block yourself, you're not going to see it. In order for you to see it, you have to allow yourself. But like you said, a lot of people don't do it because they don't want to show vulnerability. I'm weak. I'm not going to the bar to say hello to this guy because then they're going to think I'm needy or I'm thirsty or I don't want to do it. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you said this because I, I really have this very you know, I, as we talked last time, we are both into spirituality and all that stuff. And the way I like to look at relationships now and to, to talk to my clients about this, first of all, you asked, why do we need a man? And yeah, it's an important question. We are independent, successful women. Why do we need a man? Well, actually, I believe that um, without relationships, without romantic relationships, we cannot truly discover who we are. We cannot really grow and expand to our full potential. Why? Because people come into our life as reflections of ourselves, as mirror. Each person that you meet in your life, whether they are a romantic connection or work, they come to show you a part of you that otherwise you will not see. No. So what that means is if you think of your relationship with your mother, with your lover, with your siblings, with your daughters each of these relationships teaches you something about a part of you that otherwise you would not be able to experience you can only be a daughter in relationship to your mother or, or father i don't know why siri keeps popping up it's so stupid <laughs> um so if you think about your relationship with your mother the things that you learned about yourself from that experience are really powerful and they're really unique to that experience. Then put yourself in the, the other position where you are reflected in your daughters. You know, as you said, yeah, you created certain beliefs for them. So now they're reflecting back to you, mom, this is how you come across, right? Because they copy your behavior. So yeah. you gave them that energy. This is who I am. I'm successful. I'm this. You don't need the man, whatever. So they kind of go, oh, that's how I should be. Right. And you didn't see yourself like that until they reflected that back to you. They said, mom, this is how we see you. And you kind of went, oh, really? Is that who I am? So romantic partners are the same. We need people in our life because they teach us something. And what romantic partners tend to come into our life for is to teach us self-love, in my opinion. Because wow. when a romantic partner doesn't give you the love that you expect or the appreciation that you expect or the support that you expect because this is how we're conditioned that someone comes to give you this or that you have to look for this in other people. To me, what someone is teaching you when they're not loving you in the way that you want, they're actually teaching you that you are not loving yourself in the way that you deserve. You're, if you don't feel prioritized in a relationship, like my partner doesn't put me first, he's too busy with work, he's too busy with his friends, he's too busy with the passion that he has. To me, the question that I ask myself is in what ways I don't I prioritize myself? In what areas of my life or in what um, situations I don't put myself first? So this has been a huge revelation for me myself and also I'm applying this to my clients because then I can understand 
if I'm upset with someone for not putting me first, it made me see that, you know, um, I should be the one who always puts myself first. So if I, like I was explaining to a client today, so if I have to choose between going out with my boyfriend for drinks, because he says, oh, but you haven't spent time with me for ages. So let's come and, you know, let's go and do things together. You know, like I feel so annoyed that you don't make time for me, blah, blah, blah. So he feels deprioritized. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad because maybe it's true that I've deprioritized him. Mm -hmm. But actually, my, what would be really beneficial for me is for me to go to the gym and work, work out and take care of myself and whatever. Right. But because I feel bad about him, and maybe I feel a little bit guilty that I haven't spent as much time with him as he's asking me to spend. I'm going to put myself second. I'm going to say, oh, okay, I'm not going to go to the gym there. I'm going to go and have drinks with you. Now, if I really think about it from uh, my perspective, what's the best for me would be that I go to the gym and then I go and see him later. Right. But most people don't do that. And this is an example of how you don't often put yourself first. Or other times you want to do something specific and then you say, oh, okay, then I'll, I'll do whatever you want because I want to please you because this is what we want. When we don't have the love from ourselves, we, love to, we want to please other people. We overcompensate with them, hoping that they will see how amazing we are because I'm doing all these things for you and why don't you appreciate me? Right. So this has been a really interesting observation for me to see that relationships are like people growing machines that every relationship is teaching you a lesson. Most, most love relationships teach you how to love others and how to love yourself. And most of the time we don't do that. Think about how many of us are conditioned to be pleasing other people because through doing lots of things for others, we believe that they will start to see our worth and love us back in return as we deserve. It's a trap. And it never works because the more you do for someone, the more they will take you for granted. And they're going to say, well, yeah, but you always did this for me. Why do you expect me to do something in return? So it's, a, it's, it's actually not at all the right way to do it. Relationships are about balance, in my opinion. So the way I see because we were talking energy and mirrors before. Right. The way I talk, especially with couples, when I want to demonstrate with them how whatever emotion, how much of a reflection of each other they are. So I like to visualize energy in a connection, any human connection. It can be like the connection that we have right now today, right? right? It's, it's like, um, if you like an infinity sign of energy that goes between us right. and how does it work, right? So I'm communicating something to you right now. I'm sharing something with you, which means I, I send energy your way. Right. If the energy with my words that comes with my words is one of sharing and wisdom and happiness and whatever this energy comes to you you receive it because you're open to this right so i i send you positive energy you know how we say i'll send you positive energy love and right. light blah 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 right right so because i'm sharing something personal and hopefully something that you're interested in you are feeling the love and light the positive energy that comes from me right so imagine that this energy comes to you across time and space, you know, from here to, to New York, wherever you are. Right. And it will come to you. You receive it in your body. And because it's positive, your own energy will respond to that. 
with more love and light. You will go, oh, this is so nice. You know, you just shared something important to me. So let me give you my feeling. And this is exactly what we've been doing since the beginning of this conversation. So, oh yeah, and this is what's happened to me. And this is my story. So you're, you're, as the energy goes through your body, if you want to visualize it that way, it, it feeds on your positive energy, on your light. Right, 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 right. And then when you respond back to me, I receive that. So it's, a, it's basically keeps getting amplified with each passing, with each answer that we give with each, to each other. Right. The infinity and it's like kind of, said. yeah, so it's kind of never ending. I give you something, you give me something back and it just keeps going like this, you know? Now, what if I send, like my energy is jealous or angry or upset? Right. So what would be like, so let's say if I'm angry with you, like, oh, why are you so late for this meeting? How can you be so inconsiderate that you do this and all that? So you hear it in my voice. You, the energy, the words that I'm using come with anger. Right. Right. You hear it. You feel it. You look at my face. You see it. So it comes to you. You're receiving this anger. You're not going to be all love and light. Right. Right. You're going to react. You're going to go, well, yeah, but it's your fault. It's, you get defensive. Mm-hmm. You get critical. You get reactive and all that stuff. So then my anger gets amplified through your own judgment and criticism. Then I receive it back. And then the whole cycle of negativity starts. Right, 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 right. So this is why it's so important when you are in any relationship with someone for you to manage, to understand this, to, to understand that everything is a reflection. And many people are not willing to take responsibility for their contribution to a situation. Right, 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 right. So if the energy that I'm giving my partner, let's say that I have this belief that men are cheaters or that men are bad, as you said yourself, you've had bad experiences in your life right, right. with men. So of course, now you have this belief, this program in your body that says, oh, all men are going to be nasty to me. Right. So you're going to be fearful around men. You're going to be untrusting of men, you know? So let's say right. you get a new boyfriend and your experience has been, I'm not saying you personally, but just as right, a person, right, right, yeah. your experience could be that first boyfriend, second boyfriend, third boyfriend were either abusive or they were in, you know, like unfaithful to you or something like that. You live with this unconscious fear that the, the past will be repeated. Right. And because that fear is constantly in your energy, every time your husband comes home late, you go, oh, where have you been? Who are you with? You know, right. what, what were you doing? So this is the, the energy of fear of lack of trust. And, you know, a husband may or may not be doing anything bad, but just because you're putting this energy out to them, they will get defensive and it will get amplified. And eventually, you know, ultimately this fear of, of cheating and infidelity is definitely a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more you suspect someone of doing something when they're not doing anything, eventually they're going to say, you know what, I'm screwed if I do, screwed if I don't. So I might as well do it and to hell with it. Right. So you see how everything that you put out will come back to you from, you know, the as energy. a reflection of the other person. The energy. So, I don't know. This, this is maybe a little bit too spiritual, but it, to me, it's also physics. <laughs> it's Actually, it's not. It's not. The, the, no, I, I, as you're talking and I'm picturing and I hope the other listeners do the same thing because the way you said it, like you, energy is like a, uh, it's a, it's a wave. It's, 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 we measure energy by wave. It's not staying in one place. It travels back and forth. So if you want to use that metaphor as in being with your partner, so whatever energy you give out, that's what energy you're going to receive. So that's number one thing. Now, I know for sure that 
people that are going to listen to this, this is the first question I'm going to get, which I will definitely bring you back because this is very interesting because you have such an amazing skills, girls and boys are like, she's very talented. We're going to talk about other stuff some other time, but I know I, this question I'm going to get. You said that you are, your relationship is a reflection of yourself. And I'm telling you this right now, a lot of women out there or men that are listening to this, going to automatically get defensive and say, oh, wow, I don't have, I've been married to this guy for 15 years, or I'm in a relationship for this many amount of time. I'm not happy. He's not behaving the way I want him to. They're going to be like, oh, am I like that? And then they're going to just be like, oh, uh, but I know that somebody asked me that. My answer was this, and I want to hear your answer. I said, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is you. I said, think of, think of this. Think about you open the door to a room and the room is full of garbage, full of garbage, which your ego self created for you. And now it's time to clean. It's going to take a little time to clean that up. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. We all have, and these are the limiting beliefs that we have. It's all this programming and all this stuff that got, this garbage basically, that gets put into our mind from childhood through, uh, for example, uh, you learn in the first years of life, you, you learn everything through observation and association. That's how the mind works, right? Which means that if you're seeing your parents dealing with conflicts in a very unproductive way, like arguments, fighting, accusations, oh, you're a cheater, you're whatever, SOB and so on. Right. And you, you, you see them giving each other the cold shoulder. You see aggressive behavior, verbal aggression, physical aggression, all that stuff. As a child, you believe this is how relationships are. Right, right, right. This right. is how you deal with conflicts. This is, you know, if mom is very reactive to dad and she screams the moment he says something, or if dad is the other way, you kind of, this is your benchmark. Right. This is your baseline, okay? This is unfortunately the only relationship skills school that we go to. There is no relationship school, which is my biggest, biggest thing in the world. I would like to have relationship skills taught in school from kids, because if we start at five or whenever the kids get schooled and we tell them about mindfulness and we tell them about how to resolve conflicts and we teach them how to not feel insecure and all that stuff, the world would be a better, a better place, you know? So Absolutely. I'm kind of working myself out of a job in the long run, but I would be very happy by the time I retire, if I ever retire, to make sure that kids get relationship skills training. Actually, I'm very happy to, to say that in Hong Kong, I've, I've been teaching some relationship skill classes in some international schools. So I'm very, very happy about that. Oh, I'm glad. To 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds, that kind of stuff. Wow. Anyway, going back to what you were asking. Yes, it is a reflection. Whether we are willing to acknowledge that shadow or not you know i i, I said earlier this concept right, of, we we are all made of dark and light you know so we all have qualities and things that we love about ourselves sure i like that i'm uh, a good friend and i like that i'm a good mother and it's wonderful that i'm supportive and loving and caring but you know i'm also bitchy sometimes and i'm also i'm not a mother i'm just giving examples right, right, right. but you know i'm also stupid sometimes and i'm also bitchy and i'm sometimes critical and i judge people and and i don't like these parts of myself right you know because the society tells us that it's not okay to be bitchy it's not okay to be mean it's not okay to be cruel it's not okay to be this so ideally i don't want to see these parts of me right 
I choose not to see these parts of me because they don't put me in a good light. Right. So when you see a negative behavior reflected in someone else, actually there's this beautiful book that uh, if your readers want to explore more about this, there's this beautiful book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, which absolutely changed my life. Write it down. So it was written by a lady called Debbie Ford. And she talks about this. She talks about the fact that as humans, we have the potential to be everything. And through our education, we are told that only the things that are judged by the society to be good are qualities we want to cultivate in ourselves. And the other things that the society judges as bad, we reject and we put to the side and we'd rather forget. Mm -hmm. And the best indication that we have those so-called negative qualities that we don't like is to look for what do we hate most in other people? Mm. Because what we hate most, what bothers us most about other people The only reason it bothers us, it's because it reminds us of that part of ourselves that we hate. (laughs) And there's this, again, like if I may share in in two minutes a personal story, how this is very, very powerful for me. In the book, she talks about the fact that she was doing these workshops all over the US and she was somewhere with a couple and she was talking with the couple And uh, the husband said, you know, I believe you're absolutely right. Yes, we have the capacity to be everything. But he says, I know for sure there is one thing that I am not. And she said, what is that? He said, I'm not an idiot. Okay, fine. And of course, in her mind, she knows that this is a good indication that this person is unaware or doesn't want to be right uh, to accept that part of themselves. So she goes, okay, no problem. So they were driving and they got to this couple's house. It's like, I don't know, minus like super cold outside. It's in the middle of winter. And the moment the guy stops the car in front of the house, he says, oh shit, I think I locked our keys inside the house. And (laughs) Bebby says in the back, it's like, oh, okay. I wonder who does that. So it was this kind of big dawning. I'm like, yeah, actually, you know, it's pretty stupid. It's a pretty idiotic thing to do to lock my keys in the house, which kind of proved that, yeah, okay, look, so, I can be an idiot sometimes. And my, throughout my advertising career before, when I was a lot less conscious than I am now, stupidity was like my biggest pet peeve. Like if I thought that people were stupid, they were idiots, it would just drive me crazy, crazy, crazy. To the point where at one, uh, in one moment, I, I had to ban this word from my vocabulary because I realized it was coming up so much and it was making me so angry. I was like, okay, I cannot say the word stupid anymore. It's just not, not good for me. And then after I'd read this book and when I read this, I thought, hmm, okay, so hmm, I wonder how that shows me the, the stupid part of me right. that I, I didn't want to acknowledge. And one day, of course, life gave me this opportunity. I don't know, I was traveling somewhere. I bought a low-cost airline ticket and I rarely bothered with low-cost and I forgot to read the details, whatever. And I showed up with a huge bag without buying a uh, hold luggage. You know how we low cost, no, sometimes no, no, no. you have to buy extra. Like. So I show up to the airport with this huge bag and the lady says, okay, well, you didn't do this. Uh, you have to pay. Essentially, they wanted to charge me double the cost of my ticket just to take that just bag on board. Right, right. And of course I blew up. I'm like, are you crazy? This is stupid you stupid airlines, you have it all in the small print. So I got really angry. And as I was going through this experience, it dawned on me like, 
wait a minute, I'm not actually angry with her. <laughs> actually, this anger is at my own stupidity. Because this poor woman, she's like the, the girl behind right, the right, desk right, right, at the right. airline. She doesn't care, right. essentially, you know? But my anger was because like, oh, how can I be so stupid? How can right. I not check? So then I had this like massive epiphany. It was like a midnight flight that I was taking somewhere. Massive epiphany is like, wow. So this is the stupidity that I don't like. This is why I'm so angry because I don't like to be in a situation in which I see myself as stupid. Right. So then in the book, they, uh, she asks you to think at what point in your life did you make this conclusion? So I did do some, you know, inquiries with my own thing. And I realized that when I was 14 years old, after being an A plus student in my first eight years of school, I switched school to a different, a different situation. Mm -hmm. And I failed the test. And that had never, ever happened in my life. It was a trauma for me anyway, because I was lazy, you know, so right, right, right. It, it just happened, right, whatever. Right. But the trauma was that um, I failed the test and someone, one of my colleagues said, oh, you're so stupid. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I am never putting myself in a situation in, in which I'm going to look this stupid ever again. Right. And this test that I was failing was a test in math. So the funny thing is, and this is the beautiful way to look at these shadows, is I then realized that my entire life, I've avoided situations in which I had to kind of show anything about how much I knew about numbers or math or anything like that. So I studied languages. I became a conference interpreter. I went into advertising. So everything about words, words, right, words, right, right, right. no numbers, right. you know, no numbers in my life. So actually the gift of that, the gift of that shadow was my life today. The fact yeah. that I got into big into communication and I focused all my attention on my positive side, the fact that I can talk, the fact that I'm right. a great public speaker and all that stuff. So this is the beauty of understanding and accepting these shadows. It's hard. It's a really like, it was like a slap in the face to recognize that actually, no, I hate being stupid. Now I've embraced that. So it doesn't bother me so much anymore, you know, but it's, it's, interesting i kid you not as you're talking to me and going to my head i am the same way as you are do you know for the longest time i was in a hospitality business and 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 then you know me being as a waiter and then being a bartender you can imagine how many times <laughs> i use the word stupid you're so stupid and then uh and then i was training people and then i started my own restaurant i kid you not you're talking to me right now and i'm like oh my god talk about slapping in the face i the world just i, I got sick of it i'm like what's happening to this world? Why is the people so stupid? And I remember, like you said, you are, you, you sat back and you reflect on yourself and say, wow, if, if I'm mirror of everybody and if I hate the word stupid, why am I not accepting it? There's going to be a time that I was stupid and maybe because of that. And I, that's exactly happened. What happened to me when I came over here, I went to the school to learn the uh, English language and we, we learned it and we were like, you know, and then we graduated. And then there was a one part that they had to stand up front of the class and read an essay about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, man, I had a hard time because I can't read really good. I can't read. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, at the time I couldn't read. So this, I'm like the nervous of being in the front of the class. I could not read. 
And I tell you, the minute that I started reading and I was shaking and I was, and, and it was my own writing, but I couldn't read my own writing. You know how some people say, like, I, can't, I can't even, I don't even know what I wrote. I struggle even now. Now, me too, me too. But here's the thing though, that moment, I look at everybody's face and especially my professor, she was like, and she literally verbally said that to me. She was like, you know, that's your own writing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's hurtful. That's hurtful. So see, in that moment, you made the conclusion that oh, all these people might think I'm stupid. Yeah. If I can't write my own freaking writing, how yeah. stupid am I? How stupid am I? And like you said, that at that moment, after that, I was calling everybody stupid. I was avoiding to hang out with people that are, I, I thought, which selfish of me, that I thought they were stupid, but I was carrying that guilt of the stupidity of myself and blocking that, blocking that, blocking that. And then once I realized that, like you, like when I, when I, I realized it's not the people, it's you, you idiot. <laughs> and <laughs> but we don't like to see this. This is exactly the, to me, this is the best example of this idea of a mirror. Yeah. Because what you see in others, you hate about yourself. Yeah. So if it couples in a relationship, they say, oh yeah, my husband is so judgmental and so horrible. And he keeps telling me this and he keeps telling me that. But then I see them talking to each other. And, you know, whatever he says, like, yeah, but you're such an asshole and you're like this and you're like that. I'm like, that's judgment, judgment alert, judgment alert, judgment alert. You both exactly do the same things. You mirror each other. Wow. And, and sometimes think about that reflections in the mirror are opposites. Yeah. It's not, you don't see exactly as it is. Right. So right. let's say if someone says, oh yeah, but I'm not critical. Hmm. Actually, it depends because most of the time when we're critical, we don't understand that we're critical. Right. So, right. for example, the, the most hidden type of criticism is asking the question, why? Why right. are you doing it like this? Why can't you come home earlier? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't you text me? Um, why can't you be here more often with your children? Why are you being like this? Why are you being like that? So I had a client like this who said, yeah, you know, like my husband, we have such a terrible relationship and all that. And you know, she told me how she was speaking to her husband and he was this whole, why is this? Why is that? Why aren't you more like this? Why aren't you more like that? And I said, you know, I don't know why you're asking this question, but I can tell you, you're not actually asking because you're curious to see how he's feeling. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. You're, and it implies a criticism. Right. Because when you say, why, why aren't you home? Why can't you come home earlier? Basically you're saying, I hate that you're, not home earlier so i'm criticizing you it means that you're not good enough you're not doing what you're supposed to do and if you she would have said it that way that would have sounded so much better because mm -hmm. it's kind of more compassion and love uh you know i would like you to come home earlier versus why didn't you not i want people to pay attention to this just by changing that itself is a huge difference right so one of the the key things if you want to avoid that is first of all when you give feedback to your partner, when you, first of all, never ask the question, why like that? Right. In, in this context, like, oh, why can't you be more, why can't you be more, I don't know, why can't you spend more time at home with us? I'm going to write that down. Why do, you, <laughs> why do you have to travel so much? No, it's, it's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, it is. Never ask why. So never ask why. Not okay. like that. Because, okay. you know, let's say your husband comes home. So the other indication, so... The why is this hidden question, criticism and judgment. The other criticism and judgment is when you use the words, 
you always or you never? Right, 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 right. right. right okay, first of all, psychologically speaking, the moment we use the word you in a sentence in this, in this kind of context, we're the other person um, registers an attack. Right. Like they feel like their life is in danger. And we have this little part of our brain, the amygdala, uh, who is designed to keep us alive. You know, right. it's the part of our brain that uh, regulates our fight or flight. Right. And this is like a sprinkler system that is constantly on the woo-woo, woo-woo, you know, checking our environment for threats. And right. these days, you know, we don't get attacked by tigers or lions and things because we don't live in the jungle. Right. But, you know, if our partner... If our partner's face looks grumpy, we often think, oh, what have I done now? You know, right. many, many couples come to me and say, oh, you know, like my wife is so critical and judgmental that I'm, I'm walking on eggshells. What this means is that the person who's saying I'm walking on eggshells, they're actually hypervigilant to any changes in the voice, in the facial expressions, in the way the partner looks. And immediately when they notice a change from neutral to something, they already jump to the conclusion that, oh, I screwed up. There's something wrong. I've done something wrong. She's going to jump on me. She's going to criticize me. She's going to say something. So this hypervigilance is a heightened state of anxiety, which kind of means that you're always on a warpath. Right. Because right. your brain is constantly pumping your body full of adrenaline. So, and you're in the thing with amygdala is basically an instinctive response. You know how people say, oh, I get triggered. You know, my boyfriend or my husband or my wife does something and is like pushing a button and I just kind of blow up. What it is, is that you are in such a crazy heightened state of anxiety and you're constantly watching to prove because you're thinking, oh my God, oh my God, she's going to criticize me. She's going to blow up. Something is going to happen. So you're watching for signs. And even if the signs don't mean anything, because she may be I don't know, she may be on her period or something. She may have something completely different happening with her. But most of the time, if you're in that state, you make it about you. You think, oh, this must be my fault. I've done something wrong. So just this, this little word, you. Then together with the words never or always, which kind of denote patterns in behavior, generalization. When you say, oh, you never put the dishes in the dishwasher. What does that mean? It means I'm making a complaint. Mm. I'm complaining that you're constantly doing something that, uh, that annoys me. Right. Right? Or then we say, oh, you always do this. You always, always make me wait for you forever. Or you, you always, uh, you're always late for dinner. Again, it's not always. It's not like every, every single time this person is late for dinner. But you're generalizing and you're actually blaming them. So when you say the words, you always, never, it's never going to go well. It's going to uh, start a fight. It's going to start a fight because the other person is going, well, screw right, you. Right, 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 right. Right? So you get defensive. So when you get attacked, what do you do? You defend. Right. So you say, yeah, but you know, why do you always have to cook at six o'clock? With the why question, you know? Right. <laughs> so then look, think about the energy question that or the energy conversation you had before. I right. say, oh. Why do you always come home late? So my energy is already accusing you of something, attacking you of something. So if I'm attacking, my energy is like putting a knife into your heart. You can't go, well, that's not my fault. My boss kept me in the office. La, 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 la. So again, 
his energy, let's say, comes back with this defensiveness. And then I go, why do you get defensive? Why do you do that? And then there you go, you have an argument. So to avoid this, what you need to do is train yourself to avoid the word you and the word why and the word always and never. Never, right. No, you just finished this so beautifully because I'm listening to you and I'm going through all the relationships that I had in the past. And I'm like, she's right. I always use that. You always do this. You always do this. Or you never do this. And it's just like one time happened, two times. And by the way, to add on to that, and then that's like you said, when we started first, if you expect somebody to do something all the time, even if they don't do it, they're like, you know what, screw it. She keeps saying that it's might as well do it. And that just like make them that way. Whatever she's expecting. Yeah. So exactly. this is what I did. Valentina, what an amazing conversation. I'm telling you right now, the people that are going to listen to this, they're going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I expected it. Hey, you know, challenging real talk. That's, hey. uh, that's how it goes. That's what I love. That's what I wanted people to come in like yourself and just expert like yourself to tell these people that you are not alone. We are all been there, done it. And we, we, you're still going to make a mistake. Life is a journey. We're going to learn. Nobody is superior. Nobody's under. Everybody's with the same direction. We learn from each other. We grow with, with each other. Relationship with anybody else is mirror of yourself. If you love yourself, respect yourself, kind, loving, the other person automatically can feel it. And you receive that back. So I thank you so much for coming over here and clearing this up, especially as romantic relationship, because I have a lot of students that are like an our age and they're like, keep saying to me like, you know, I can't find love. And they're going to the things that are not so relevant to apply because they're like, well, how, what should I say? So how should I act? Nothing. Just be yourself, love yourself, respect yourself. And that's how you're going to get back. So thank you so much. Any final words for these ladies out there that thinking they can't find a love? Yeah, first of all, don't be scared of making choices and making what's called what people like to say mistakes because mistakes are lessons. The only mistake you make in life is when you don't learn your lessons. And what that means is like if you see a pattern repeated in your life, it's only because you haven't learned something about it. So ask yourself this question. This is the most powerful question you can ask yourself to change your life. What is this experience trying to teach me? Amen. Whatever it is, if it's a man cheating on you, if it's a man or a person responding negatively to you, ask yourself, what is this trying to teach me? What can I learn from this experience? Not think, oh shit, I screwed up or I made a mistake. Yeah, I should have done this. I should have done that. This is self-judgment, is rejection of yourself, thinking I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. What if you, but if you, instead of doing all that stuff and creating more rejection more shadows more inner children you say okay so this person rejected me what can i learn from it maybe it is in the way that i was i wasn't confident enough maybe it is that i have expectations that are unrealistic or maybe it is that i don't trust myself enough and my lack of trust in myself actually comes across to the other person just be more self-aware and ask yourself these questions and step out of the position of the victim the position of the victim is when you say Oh yeah, why is this always happening to me? How come I never find anybody? How come the world, how come I'm so unlucky? You know, to me, this is the victim position who says, it's not my fault, nothing I can do. I'm stuck, I better give up. Right. I don't have a choice. We always have choices. So the, the, the opposite side is the hero or the victor, if you like to think of it in you know, more uh, mirroring kind of words, um, to say, well, actually, 
right, this person didn't choose me. What can I learn from this? What were they reflecting at me? If they didn't love me, what does that mean for myself? How can I love myself more? What can I learn from this pattern? Be aware of your own behavior. The energy that you put into something determines 50% of that experience. Wow. Okay, so there is no screw-ups unless yeah. you contributed to it. So learn from that and say, you know what, I choose next time this happens, I'm not going to do exactly the same thing. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make a different choice. And we're so afraid of making choices because we think, oh, what if it's the wrong choice? The reality is every choice is right because it gives you two more choices and then two more choices and then two more choices and then two more choices. Right. That is the only final choice. <laughs> you know. That we don't so that's what I want to, yeah, exactly. But it, death is a rebirth anyway. So anyway, we, we don't need to go into that one. It's a con different conversation for another day. So that's what I would like um, to leave your audience with. You know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Ask yourself, what is this trying to teach me? Choose a different path next time, whatever that is. It doesn't matter what the option is. If you think it's A and B, if you chose way one time, A one time, choose B the next time, because then you're going to have another A and B and another A and B or A, B, C, D, F, whatever. Mm. Um, so that is the beauty of, of life, you know, that there's always growth, there's always moving forward. And uh, yeah, actually be, try to be aware of this negative voice in your head, the voice that says, no, you can't do it. It's too good for you. You're not good enough you're not strong enough, you're a piece of shit. You know, we do this a lot. I hear this. People say, oh yeah, you know, why would my husband uh, not cheat on me because I'm such a piece of shit. I'm so stupid. I'm not good enough. I'm too skinny. I'm too fat. I'm just, you know, not good at anything. And when you hear someone speak like that, you know that they have zero self-love. They have a self-love deficit. So I, I hunt those things in someone's way of speaking and then I, I work with them to address it. But you can become aware of it yourself. If you feel that you're very critical of yourself, that you have very high expectations, um, you know, you, you need to work on it. And actually, maybe I can leave your audience with an exercise that I, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Um, that I, I give my clients. You know, if you feel that you're not very confident or you don't believe in yourself very much, at the end of each day, I ask my clients, you know, as a coach, we like accountability and we mm -hmm. like to keep people... Uh, on track so I asked my clients to send me uh, a message with three things they like about themselves on that particular day and three things they're grateful for about the external world so one is to look in, inside okay. to be grateful and to uh, to be to show appreciation and love for themselves and another one to you know gratitude and appreciation are the most powerful vibrations out there the, the, right. the, the highest vibration energy so anything can be fixed with a little bit of gratitude Right. in my opinion so if you make this habit of the last three things you think of when you go to bed is today i'm grateful for my family my friends and the fact that i you know completed five things on my to-do list or today i'm grateful for not doing anything and taking care of myself mm -hmm. or today i'm grateful that i managed a half an hour workout or that i finally met a friend for coffee that i hadn't seen it doesn't matter what it is actually right. Right. The, the, the thing you're grateful for doesn't matter or the things that you like about yourself doesn't matter. It can be the smallest thing. It can be the same thing every day as long as you can think of something positive about yourself. So this is a really great practice. Practice of self-love and, and gratitude for your life for me is a game changer. Mm. If you don't like to meditate, if you don't know how to do mm. things like that, all you need to do is go to bed and say, thank you 
to yourself for not drinking today, for going to the gym and for, I don't know, uh, giving yourself a break that you didn't complete your to-do list. That's a wonderful appreciation for yourself. Amen. Amen. You said it so perfectly. I do the same thing. I, I give my clients and my students the same thing that I have, they have to write down something about this. I'm be surprised how many people they say, well, I'm writing the same thing over and over again. Valentina, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your amazing story and your strategy for people out there to look at the relationship in a whole nother level that what you were taught is not what it is. You have control to change anything. And with your advice and help, thank you so much. And I would definitely bring you back because I'm going to have a lot of questions they're going to ask. And I will put your information underneath of this episode so they can find. So whoever listening, find her, follow her, check her website. She's amazing. And you're going to learn a lot from her. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. 